We are the Coin Boys, your average everyday crypto bros. That's right. It's Andy, aka producer, by the way, or producer BTW on Twitter. Sitting right across from me is Daniel Gutierrez. What's up, everybody? What's up? Not a lot. We we're done. We you finished. We made it. We're, we no longer have to live through another spoiler alert week because Game of Thrones is over. Oh yeah, Game of Thrones is over. This is the final episode podcast of the Game of Coin Boys. <laughs> Just kidding. That's <laughs> we, not a real thing. We are House of Satoshi. Yeah, no, but really, uh, yes, it's the end of an era of a show that was in that was very popular in mainstream media, right? Yeah, it was huge. It was. I can't say I'm a ginormous fan, uh, yeah. but I know a lot about it because I enjoyed the show. Uh, I was never, and I've said this before, I'm not like a huge fan. I think that last week people were being a little bit ridiculous saying that there's a petition for rewriting the show. <laughs> Give me a break, people. Let me tell you right here. It doesn't matter what you say. Because the networks make these shows, they make them, they're not going to go back and shoot the whole season over again. I could tell you that yeah, right now. No, and they're not going to shoot it over with fan rewrites, okay? Excuse so, me. <laughs> that letter that I wrote to Spielberg, I think changed the whole way of Jurassic Park. I, <laughs> I said, you know what? That's what dinosaurs in there. <laughs> that's what made me laugh because I was like, okay, okay, so here's, my, my, here, here's what we'll do. We'll take Kenny from Kentucky, that petitioned on the petition we'll take bob from new york uh sally from seattle you know just these random people that never worked in the entertainment industry and we'll have you write a whole season of game of thrones let us know how that goes because i can't wait to see that season because i i can't imagine how probably awful that season would be all right no offense to bob sally and whatever but you guys <laughs> have no experience writing whatsoever okay uh, well it's done hopefully you were not as upset as everybody else I, in the world honestly i thought yeah i thought it was I think the last main action episode was the week before. This was about closing doors, drama, opening doors possibly. And I think they did that. They left it open for so many um, pre uh, sequels. I'll say this one thing. The entire series was, was based upon the fact that you did not know what was going to happen next. You could not predict the next episode. And you loved it. But because this is the final episode and you still couldn't predict what was going to happen, you're upset? I mean, come on. Yeah, give me a break. Come on. You spent all these years watching it, and you know there were other episodes that were horrible. There were. Yeah. There were actually some episodes I fell asleep watching because that was one of the, and I'm going to say this, one of the negatives of the show, and I think something they didn't do super well, was that depending on the scenes and the actors, they could either be super boring or really great. And I'll give you an example that... The one guy that just killed it last night was Peter Dinklage. He killed it. Every scene he's in. He, and that t that's an, a testament to how important he was to the show. And they gave him most of the show. Yeah. It was, the sentiment was there. And it was so like, it was the first time I felt like Game of Thrones is in good hands. Yeah. If you haven't seen it and you think that this could possibly spoil it, uh, I don't, whatever you think... It's not it what happened. It doesn't matter. It's, it's not what happened. Whatever you think is going to happen, not what happened. So I'm enjoy. not even worried about spoilers. If you didn't watch it yet, I'm sorry. Like, give so me a break. Enjoy it. I'm yeah, sorry. That's the one thing you've got to We We wanted to just reference it on the podcast. My brother, who is in Kuwait on in service, he's, saw it live. <laughs> so oh, no, that's, that's, that's awesome. So that's great. He's a, he, and he's one of the few people that I can say is a fan. He read all the books. He did everything. So good for him. Good for I'm her. glad that you guys came here for Game of Thrones news. <laughs> that was cool. Um, I watched a lot of anime this weekend, too. Per usual. Per usual. But it wasn't always per usual. I just got into anime really recently. Because I grew up as a kid watching Dragon Ball Z only. Yeah. Then I never watched anime again. I feel like within the past like six months, it's been more of a per usual thing. I, oh, I have been keeping up with One Punch. That's it. Well, I guess because I realize I'm like this nerd and I, I skipped over anime. So Now you realize you're this nerd? Now you realize No, I, I always you knew, but I didn't know. I never like really got into anime. And then now I finally... But I'm watching shows that are very nerdy. Yeah, anime. yeah. They deal with fantasy or video games. So I'm just watching... It's like reading books, I would say. I'm just watching what I, what I like. Uh, just before we throw to Block News and we have a really good... Really exciting in-depth interview with a blockchain gaming-centric company. But I just wanted to let you guys know that don't forget, you know, we're here providing you with weekly podcasts, so we appreciate the support. And what I would, would love to ask the fan base, and we don't ask very often, is 
leave a review on your iTunes. If you've been listening to us, do us that favor and, and help us out by the more reviews and stars on iTunes. It really helps us as a podcast. And also check out our website because we have blogs and we have some exciting things coming. Yes, thecoinboys.com. You can email us there, thecoinboys at thecoinboys.com. You can find us on social media, but uh, we're going to try to make, we're starting to make our hub definitely something bigger and better. And just to also mention, look, you like crypto. I bet you you like technology too. And I bet you maybe you played video games at one point in your life or you love video games because right now our main focus is always crypto, but we're kind of teetering into a lot of technology news that has that relates to augmented reality, VR, all that fun stuff. And it, it could be relates, anything. It all relates back to blockchain. It does. And then, of course, gaming, as you already know, we've already supplied tons of content based on blockchain and video games. Uh, we might talk maybe some somewhat. You might see uh, who's been our, our guest host and mm-hmm. correspondent, uh, Crypto Sanity. He and I are going to come up with some fun gaming-centric stuff. That might not be blockchain related, but it might have, you know, I'm trying to talk to Daniel about this gaming tab on the website just to give us a little of this uh, gaming flair. Maybe. Um, Maybe. I have an idea to make it work. Granted then. But I I do want to thank all the listeners, new listeners, or if you just got here, thanks so much. Uh, But yeah, we don't ask for it. I don't go on Twitter and say, please follow us here. You know, please do that. I just share our podcast. I put funny tweets up, but... We do ask, please try to support us a little bit. It really Today helps. Today we ask. Today I'm asking you from the bottom of my heart. And that's a big heart, by the it, way. It is. Um, it but, is. but anyway, uh, we appreciate everyone. Let's, let's get into the meat of this thing. I'm going to pull this lever and go right into Block News. I still oh. love that theme. You like the lever? It's real. You yeah, see it? It's a good lever. It's a lever. I pull it and yeah. it plays that music. It's 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 big but not very scary. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, I just quickly before we get into this uh, interview, um, I want to mention uh, I saw today, this was today this morning, uh, that WhatsApp, which is the popular international messaging app that many people use for not calling internationally, uh, and basically they're... They're accepting crypto transactions. This is a perfect example of news and FUD. Or po- it's not FUD like completely, but you know, I, I told you that this morning. Uh, WhatsApp. Well, we got to clarify. It's not exactly it's WhatsApp an, that's right, doing it. Right. It's not. It's like a third-party bot that you could use on the WhatsApp app mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and be able to uh, send and receive Bitcoin transactions or somehow use Bitcoin and Litecoin transactions. But again, I go to this article and the main tweet, they're like, here's the main tweet. And it's not from WhatsApp. It's from Zulu Republic who yeah. makes the bot. Um, so so again, the, it's one of those situations those where... Fake, like the Fortnite thing. It's Fortnite. exactly it's the like Fortnite thing. They just want to get a name to attach to it. Just understand it. it's not them. Um, but... The fact that it can integrate on right, but the WhatsApp fact you, is pretty good. That's something to talk about still. It's definitely something to talk about. Uh, yes, I, I must say that it does seem like I don't agree with it, but it doesn't. I was just protecting the side that don't forget this is not the main company that's providing yeah. the service. I mean, and there are services that do that with Twitter. Sure. The, Reddit. Yeah. There's nothing there, wrong. There's nothing with wrong it. with third party. But, but it would be bigger news if WhatsApp was like, "Hey, we've absolutely. already included it with it." But uh, anyway, yeah, apparently uh, you could follow the prompts and figure out how to use if, this bot. If the bot is easy to use, that's going to be great. But the question is, I want to see what the bot can do. I want to see how it works. I want to see what it provides us. Is it a wallet? Because the fact that they're calling it a bot itself makes me think it's something different well, than a wallet. Like you said, this might not be terrible. Like if there's like really good third party that implements a really good use case, that might help for adoption. So hey, and I'll take it. I'll take it. And WhatsApp has become very, very popular. Yeah. Um, I use it uh, with a lot of people I know internationally, and and it's just a, a way to save and money. We're not endorsing for you to use it because they are again Facebook owned. So you got to be very careful with anything on WhatsApp because Facebook sure. is absolutely watching. Yes, they are. So Mark Zuckerberg go. watches everyone. He knows. He knows what you look. He knows the kind of food you like. He knows your favorite pizza toppings. This man is insane. So I think it was over the weekend. There's this. I, I went on Twitter. Big Connect 2.0 uh, said a tweet here, and this was May 18th. Welcome everyone back to BitConnect 2.0. We will launch BitConnect 2.0 on July 1st. Visit our website for more information at bitconnect.io. Uh, and if you're listening to this podcast, uh, then you know, stay away from it. Don't touch it. Don't be stupid. Stop it. 
Stop it. Yeah. If they're, Stop it. If they're going to use this name associated with them, it's like... Here's the thing. This has no name. It has no good name. It has zero good name. For you to call it BitConnect 2.0 is stupid, number one. And two, I'm just going to avoid it altogether. You did nothing the first time. You literally stole money the first time. It was a literal just walk away. Nobody made money. Maybe very few people made some money, but no, get the hell out of there. Uh, number one, stay away from it. Uh, number two, you must do your research and please let your friends know, get away from BitConnect. Let your friends know because they're trying, what they're trying to do right now with this BitConnect 2.0 is try to somehow squeeze money out of people who are new to the space. They're coming in like we're in a bull run right now, a little bit of a bull run. It may it may last for a little long time. It may end tomorrow. Who knows? But this is when all the scams pop out of the woodworks. This is when all the scams just come out and just want to take everyone's money. Do your own research and be sure that you help out your friends as best you can that are coming into the space that are intru- like that are interested in blockchain, blockchain technology. Get them away from BitConnect 2.0. That's our final Final piece on this news bit. Because yeah, I don't care it. if you think it's like the next thing since sliced Stop bread. It. Stop it. I'm just kidding. Uh, but anyway, let's get let's move on to talk a little bit about our guest today. And that's uh, Randy Saf. And he's with Lucid Sight Incorporated, who are basically behind MLB Champions, mm-hmm. uh, which is a blockchain-centric uh, game that has the MLB license behind it. We'll get into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's two other games. I don't want to give too much away that we talk about. And we also go into Randy's history, yeah. which was pretty awesome. Yeah. A really great and now, story. Now, for those of you who, who are like me and not huge into gaming, this is a good one to listen out for because it's not just about gaming, this one, especially with MLB Champions. It's about collecting collectibles if you're like me and we'll we'll get into it but if you're like me and like to collect things and those things are no longer being made like physically this is kind of going to introduce you to the next step yeah and i uh actually got to we actually had randy on the show if you listen to the game speed episode he gave us a little tease about what they're doing Mm -hmm. but in this in this episode like we do always we take a little bit of a step back and we learn a little bit about how he got there so let's learn a little bit more about randy himself here's randy with lucid sight so my roommate best friend and i we we co-founded one of the first iphone uh video game companies <laughs> back in 2008 um uh, my, my buddy john we were living with me he was tinkering around with a generation one of the iphone before there was an app store so if you remember the first iPhone back in 2007. I didn't have enough money. but okay. <laughs> Yeah, well, it was, a real, it was a real luxury item. You had to get a data plan for the first time, too. So it wasn't just the $600. It was crazy. all of a sudden now you're paying another 50 bucks a month to AT&T. Um, and there was no app store. So there was Google Maps, YouTube, uh, iPod. It was really billed as a, uh, an iPod plus your phone. It was, kind of, it was the first marketing. And I had a Safari browser, and it was the first time a smartphone had a, a full-functioning uh, JavaScript browser. Uh, so what, he, what John was doing that was really clever is he was taking JavaScript games, which you could just view the source, and he was snapping them to the dimensions of the Safari browser on the iPhone. Huh. And Apple at the time, uh, you know, at the time it wasn't really clear the iPhone was going to be a mega hit. It was actually, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but there was a lot of skepticism because of the, sure. the high price point. It really was seen as a luxury item. Like when you held your iPhone back then, so you had this iPhone and you didn't have a lot you could do with it, right? And so what he was doing is he had these little JavaScript games. And Apple.com uh, was featuring these games. So we'd have a top 10 JavaScript game section on Apple.com. And he would submit wow. these games to Apple.com, and nobody was doing that. So he would have, like, five of the top ten games on Apple.com. Uh, that was, is crazy. Yeah, and, and he had a, just a <laughs> – there was about three million iPhones in the wild. Sure. Uh, and, you know, at one point I, you know, I said to him, hey, you know, like, we, we should just formalize this and actually, like, make it a company and raise a little bit of money and, you know, go for this. And and our, our template of a business at that point, uh, th- this type of kind of – free game business was YouTube, right? Uh, YouTube had just sold for a billion dollars to uh, Google. And again, 11 years ago, a billion dollars as, as an exit was insane. Like every <laughs> today, that's an exit. If you, if you tell me you, your company hit a billion dollars, I'm like, well, you made it. Congratulations. Well, of course. Of course. But, but now there's lots of, there's, lots of yeah. unicorns uh, that are in the hundred billion dollar, you know, that are in the, you know, in the, in the tens of billions of dollars. And so, um, so, 
it was just a very it was a very different time. You know, uh, MySpace sold for five hundred million or, or so. YouTube sold for a billion. You know, now we're on Uber's IPO is probably going to be like you know a hundred billion or something. Oh. Right? <laughs> so, so, anyways, um, you know, that was the plan: is to create the uh, YouTube of JavaScript games for the iPhone, uh, which is a very like in hindsight sounds really crazy, right? Uh, so we founded this company, uh, Gerbo. Uh, under this kind of premise, that people would submit their JavaScript games, and we'd be a hub uh, because we were kind of a hub for okay. for, for uh, these JavaScript games. And as soon as we uh, kind of got everything set up, mind you, this is the middle of the recession of two thousand eight, so you know money was hard to raise, and people you know come, there weren't a lot of startup companies then. Um, as soon as we founded uh, this company, Apple created the App Store and destroyed the business model of JavaScript games. Uh, now, we had been playing around with the jailbroken games at the time. So I don't know if you guys remember this concept of a jailbroken yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, we knew the native games were going to be much better. Uh, so we decided to just completely focus on native games. But what was really fortunate is John was able to get one of the first keys to the App Store uh, because of our relationship of submitting these JavaScript games. Now, you couldn't just submit an app to the App Store back then. You had to have a key. And you, there was no way of no, getting a key. You couldn't. There was like no kind of yeah. secret application process. So by having one of the first keys, we knew we weren't going to win on quality uh, because EA and Sega and these other big companies were getting keys, and we knew we weren't going to win on brand affinity uh, because there was like Sega submitted like Super Monkey Ball, and you know there was real brands sure. coming to the App Store. So we just went for a land grab, and we basically created copies of every popular game we could think of uh so if we had blackberries at the time and brick breaker was really popular so we copied brick breaker sure uh we probably had the first match three on the iphone um we and, and again there was no in-app purchases there was no way to monetize uh, apple was pushing everybody very heavily towards premium um pricing so they they actually kind of saw the iphone uh, generation one as as a luxury, as a as a premium item, right? And they wanted their app store to be premium too, so they were really pushing for nineteen ninety nine price points. You know, kind of comparable to the Nintendo DS. Yeah, I remember that's one of the reasons why I had to go uh, with a with an Android with a with a with their Galaxies um, because you know every, I felt like everything was being you had to pay to to get a game on on the iPhone where that same game could have been for free. On the Galaxy, yeah. But then the iPhone started to make a switch in terms of like now I can do more things with the iPhone that I can't do with the Galaxy, yep. and then um, they created that little uh, need. Right. No, absolutely. So what happened was there was no in-app purchases back then, right? So this whole kind of free-to-play business model that is the bread and butter of the of the App Store didn't exist. So you either had a free game with that you monetize through advertising, or you'd have a paid game, which you just you know however many installs you can get. Uh, we decided again to take this kind of race to the bottom approach of you know we saw like MySpace and YouTube and and you know we like consumers price point Facebook and consumers price points kind of free for this type of stuff so we decided just to price everything free and hope we could monetize yeah, wow. on advertising and the ad units were awful they were just the worst ad units because Google had a monopoly on on the uh, the ad unit back sure. then on the mobile ad units and they were basically just kind of throwing web ads. Uh, so there would be, you know, ads for, you know, planes and, things, you know, plane tickets and things. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, nobody was buying anything on their iPhone. So our, our, our CPMs, our, you know, advertising rates were lower than you would actually get on a website. So um, kind of, you know, fast forward, uh, we brought, we raised some money, brought a new CEO. Uh, you know, we were kind of having the strategy of like, we're going to run games and then we're going to have ads. And then eventually um, when Apple created the in-app purchase, uh, there was this big uh, inflection point uh, where all of a sudden uh, companies like Candy King sure. were willing to pay for installs versus pay for just impressions. Um, and our, our CEO at the time, Will Wilkesoy, did a great job kind of navigating this sort of transition of our company from a game studio to an ad network and eventually uh, became the large ad network ad colony. Cool. Um, wow. and, and it was sold for $350 million. Wow. So you guys saw that. See, this is really interesting, and obviously, we we've had a lot of people on the show that have talked about early internet, like um, from Blockfolio. He was a part of early Facebook game, one of the first Facebook games. So, but you guys saw the iPhone, and I remember when the iPhone came out. The uh, like just the the idea that there wasn't an app store, and that you guys actually created that idea through games. But then Apple had it. Um, it's just intriguing to talk about the iPhone that way that you couldn't do in in, in purchase items, and now today it's like. It's normal. Yeah, so, ch changes fast. So, was gaming always your intention, or did you did you just stumble upon into gaming based off of 
where you were at at the time. Well, I mean, it's every little boy's dream to start a game studio. Of course, <laughs> so, yeah. You know, or toys, maybe. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. gonna, gonna, it's like, oh, know. man, I can make the better toys <laughs> in Mattel. New Transformer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, so games was definitely, like, something that, uh, it w- it w- was interesting, but we really saw gaming as the uh, you know with with the with in particular with the iPhone and now with blockchain is it's the uh, tip of the spear for the consumer. It's it's kind of the the thing when I was a little boy, um, like I had a Commodore sixty four, so I and you'll appreciate this because I know you like the, oh, yeah. <laughs> the retro stuff, but like that was my game system. Uh, I never I never had a Nintendo. Like my parents just didn't buy me one. I just bought, bought me Commodore sixty four instead. So I focused all my energy on you know bootlegging games for the <laughs> Commodore 64 yeah. and that was like how I learned about technology and it was like my primary motivation as a uh, you know 10 or 11 year old to do that and and I think that just it, it takes a lot for consumers to really uh, get interested in new technology and gaming is one of those areas that will actually it actually can push consumers to try things that are otherwise boring yeah I mean it gives them a, it gives them a a literal sandbox, a place to play, a place to mess up without any real consequences. Whereas if you are trying new tech in an office and you mess something up, well, there goes your there goes your whole your whole meeting and yep. everything. It's kind of like a little history of the the app store and how that all started. And you were a part of it. So now we're here at Lucid Site. How did you get the idea like blockchain video games, Lucid Site? Yeah. So um, you know, ha- having previous success, we had a little luxury that we could you know you know work on very nascent technologies right and so uh, we found a lucid site in 2015 uh, and we decided to do some VR games and so we had a lot of fun making VR games we were a launch partner with um, oculus launch partner with Google with their daydream uh, put out about 10 VR titles um, and again we loved it was you know worked on a Justice League title uh, had nice. a lot of had a, had a lot of fun with that and you know when Apple announced AR kit, um, you know, we kind of, you know, like you said, we're kind of live in Apple's world, you know, like everything. Sure. <laughs> so, so whenever Apple makes a big announcement, um, and Google had their AR initiatives as well, we thought, well, you know, how was AR, VR? Like, you know, we started looking at what are people going to do in AR? Um, and this is around 2017, right? And so, um, you know, Bitcoin had been around, but Ethereum was just kind of starting to be born. People starting to talk about ICOs were starting to go crazy. Um, you know, back then it wasn't even cl- clear at the beginning of 2017, like why some of the ICOs, why people were buying sure. these things, but it was like, clearly it was tied to this digital scarcity and people were creating digital scarcity, uh, with the, with the ICO tokens. And, and so we just started thinking like, wow, um, you know, what if collectibles, like, like what if these AR collectibles could be like digitally scarce? Uh, and I grew up in the eighties, right? So right. like I grew up in an era where, uh, did, where scarcity and toys was like very common, like you would, you know, baseball cards, garbage sure. pail kids, uh, <laughs> cabbage patch dolls, like all these things actually held value uh, because there was there was scarcity and all that had been kind of eliminated with the with the digital native, you know, sure. which included the iPhone and now kids live on their phone. They you know they live on Fortnite. Uh, they don't want physical tchotchkes anymore. So we thought, wow, this could reinitiate the digital scarcity concept. Because I, honestly, I was never really like that much into the finance side of, of crypto. But the idea of digital scarcity um, and re kind of re uh, jiggering those um, part of the you know monkey brain that likes completing sets and just feels pride and feels ownership and you know even even uh, you know my fr- your first economics lesson as a kid for me was uh, trading baseball cards and trying to sure. you know <laughs> get one yeah. up on your buddy you know <laughs> absolutely I mean that's and that's one of the things that I saw as kind of a sadness for me going digital because I was a huge DVD collector or, or movie collector right. and I like the extra I like to get those special edition ones that come with the special booklet or the at least when you buy it through dvd you get the special features and stuff like that there was no scarcity there was no rarity it's like everybody could have whatever and i collected comic books i collect baseball cards just like you said football cards so and and there was a that 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 little thing that i have this and you don't kind of is gone like a little bit but, exactly so so um as a collector I'm, I'm happy with blockchain and that, that that's a direction that we're going in terms of making the scarcity making it so that way it is a collector and 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 in a way, I mean, it's not necessarily the intention, but it's also kind of like, oh, I'm, uh, like 
I'll even use Beanie Babies back in the day because even though it's a very bad, very <laughs> bad thing, but like back in the day, you're like, oh, these Beanie Babies are fun. Like I could get this one. I could get this. And it's, yeah. this, it's this big. It's like it creates a lot of buzz and it's really fun. It sounds like you guys are seeing a three steps ahead on like the new ideas. So that brings us to, so you started, you got out of ARVR. So you went full into blockchain now. Is that really kind of what happened? So what happened was, is, uh, you know, we finished some VR projects uh, and we decided, hey, if we're going to do this, like if we can get a brand... Uh, you know, brand with affinity, like what would be our number one brand? Uh, you know, what number one collecting brand when I was growing up was, it just probably is the number one quintessential collector's brand is M- MLB. Yeah. You know, baseball cards. Sure. Like, if I'm it's the original, right? Yeah, if I, really? It's the original. Uh, uh, this is the 150th anniversary of professional baseball in America, Damn. which like very few institutions go back that far. And, and, and um, if I'm explaining, like, even, like, Bitcoin to my mom, like, I invoke baseball cards. It's a very, it's actually baseball cards should be used more by Bitcoin people to explain Bitcoin than than to the Satoshi white paper. Sure, because that's, like because like, like people understand like oh there's only so many Clayton Kershaw baseball cards, but you know this kind of concept of blockchain is so esoteric to your you know average middle America person. It's like I don't care, you know. So, anyways, we decided to uh, you know if we're gonna do this, let's try and get the the best license we can get. We started a you know long process with MLB. Luckily, MLB is a very forward-thinking organization technologically. It sounds like it. I mean, we just talked about how old they are, and now yeah. here they are getting into crypto. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're, they're, they're very forward-thinking. Um, so we, you know, we didn't kind of, we got lucky on that, on that front that they were, they, when we, when we explained this very, you know, again, this is 2017, sure. Ethereum had just been born, uh, Ripple had not mooned, you know, like, this is just, yeah, all, know, the, all, this, all that fun stuff in 2017. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, pro, you know, the, 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 yeah, exactly. So it was, you know, ICOs were like, like everything was going bonkers. And right? also like, you know, there was, you know, there was all this regulatory. It was just, sure. it was, a, it was a, it definitely like a challenging time and an interesting time to be explaining uh, crypto to a, you know, a, 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 a storied organization like MLB. Uh, but they were very forward thinking, so we hmm. we locked in that contract. Once we had that contract, we knew that this is where we wanted to be because um, uh, because it's it's there's just so much opportunity, and we don't exactly know where this is going to end up. It's very much like two thousand, you know, eight with the iPhone. In my opinion, it's sure. it's very like well, we're putting out free games. We may look like idiots for putting out free games because what kind of business model is putting out free games? Uh, and, uh, and not everybody understands, you know, this kind of concept of digital scarcity. Like a lot of people are still, uh, you know, re- re- wrestling with it. Uh, people who bought Bitcoin have thought about it a lot and, you know, put a lot of mental cycles into like digital scarcity. So that's not complicated. But your average MLB fan hasn't necessarily thought about that. But what we're all looking towards is like t- 10, 20 years from now where people are going to be more digital, uh, physical collectibles you know will continue to wane because people from the 80s yeah now all of a sudden like the 40 year olds will be the ones who grew up on Fortnite. yeah uh, it's gonna be totally different <laughs> It'll be completely it's gonna, i don't know what they're gonna be collecting <laughs> yeah. but it's gonna be different yeah, when i was a kid i used to say stuff about my friend's moms on the internet but <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> what, what it's gonna be um so you got so how did you what did you tell mlb to kind of because this could be something for other people who are or, or, or a way that other people, other businesses may need to look at look at blockchain. Like what 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 made MLB go? I get it. I want to do this. Well, I mean, it's it's no secret MLB has a has an uh, an older demographic mm-hmm. than than the other leagues. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and they're really, I mean, they're they're keenly aware of this, and you know, they're they're looking toward, you know, the future on how people enjoy the sport and and multiple experiences a la like fantasy for yeah. example like fantasy uh is a huge initiative at, at an organization like mlb because it it actually adds to the uh the enjoyment of watching the game when you're playing these other things like yeah, gam- gambling I'm, or fantasy I'm, I'm fantasy football all the time and it made me like other teams exactly. just because of that yeah, you follow so. you watch more uh so you know they're they're very aware uh, they make a lot of money on their digital games now so they're very they're, you know they're 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 smart organization and when we said that this is the future of collecting, this is a way to reintroduce collecting is, is really synonymous with baseball, right? And they know they, they know that as well. Uh, this is a way of kind of reintroducing collecting to a generation of kids, and, and which will only continue to be less interested in physical chashkis. Uh They they understood that. And then, by the way, we got we had to get that license. And then we also had to get the players' association license. 
Of course. Because it's a dual license, and Oof. it wouldn't make a lot of sense to have, like, one without the faceless, other. Uh, you know, like... <laughs> <laughs> Dodger Bill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, yes, I got him. So, and, you know, they were, they were forward-thinking as well, so we got the dual license. Um, and, I mean, I, honestly, I think, it's, I think it's one of the most intuitive uh, uses of blockchain. I mean, I, it, it's sort of... I'm a, I'm a little... Uh, I think it's something that uh, the people who even aren't into blockchain gaming should really be embracing this because... This is the easiest way to explain crypto to new people. Could you actually, just for some people might not might not be familiar with MLB Champions, could you tell us exactly how the game works, the collectibles? And I know that you had mentioned on the GameSpeed episode, like prices of these these collectibles are pretty high. So if you give us a little uh, layman's terms of what this company, uh, the game is. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So last season, uh, so basically, it's a it's a fantasy s game where you buy players uh, and uh, you. Uh, you know, try and collect your players, collect a team, and then when rare events happen in the game, like a Grand Slam, um, that actually, you get a chance to create new players that have those attributes. So the idea is to memorialize the long tail of events in baseball and, and, and again, create a two-screen experience where you're watching and enjoying at the same time. So I'll give you an example. Like, say Clayton Kershaw pitches a perfect game. Your Clayton Kershaw has a, chan has a good, very good chance of generating a perfect game, Clayton Kershaw. So and then and then what happens is these these become rarer and rarer, but with the combination of they have uh, physical trait uh, traits like uh, we have some like different types of bats, different types of poses. Uh, so those can be uh, rarity. Those can create rarity. And then we also have attributes that create rarity. Like if they if they actually hit a a, a grand slam, then you'll get a grand slam um, Mike Trout, for example. And then that becomes you know if there's only two of those, and maybe for winning the World Series. The, the rarity creates the the, the value. Um, so, you know, our, our highest price uh, player ever sold was a, a rare Bryce Harper sold for $7,000. <laughs> That's so crazy. Um, the uh, Dodgers the Dodgers team uh, sold for, I think it was $20,000. The, the, the whole team. The whole, the whole, like Here's a, the whole Dodgers a, for $20,000. A complete team. Um, wow. But, but the really interesting thing is that last season uh, we had our kind of beta. We did about seven weeks. Uh, it was all pure ETH. You can only play it with using Biden with ETH. Right. Um, those players uh, in December of last year, after the baseball season, were selling for on average about five bucks a piece. Huh. Going into the season this year, they were selling for about twenty dollars a piece. Wow. Um, so it's a very interesting. Like that is that's the whole point of this. The whole point is that you're buying something that can actually hold its value, like a collectible really does. You know, and this is that's the that's the important sort of thing here uh, is that it really is holding its value they really are like digital assets yeah and i think that you went with the right company that like you you kind of opened that in my head like oh yeah mlb's been around for this long and they're kind of like the early start of collecting like i mean you go back to what the when's the first baseball card 18 late 1800s yeah, maybe probably, yeah um so it's funny to it's not funny it's actually really cool to see the, like booking and uh, the bookend and like obviously all those old fans that the demographics gonna change so they got to be ready for a new demographic and this seems like a good way in so I gotta applaud you guys for going after the license getting the license and successfully making the game now I do want to make it clear that you guys have a few other blockchain games right and I know you there was crypto space commander and uh, conjure that I saw on display at GameSpeed. Do you is there any uh, give us a little background on those games too sure yeah <clears throat> so CSC is a um the Crypto Space Commander, we call it CSC now. We've kind of rebranded it uh, to be more kind of mainstream. Um, it's a it's a space MMO similar to if you're familiar with Eve Online. Um, so Eve Online is very a, rich MMO game. Yeah, so we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're going for a, a more casual version right. of that, but it still has the economic loop. Uh, so what makes a game like that, you know, really special as an MMO is there's an economic loop. You go go and craft. You go mine some resources that are rare. You refine them, craft them. Uh, discover a spaceship, take it apart, learn the recipe for that spaceship. And it's this classic like uh, role-playing game of crafting loop. Uh, and of course, there's battling and discovery and all this other stuff, but the, the crafting loop's a big part of this. Well, we, we thought, so you got a game like EVE Online where it's basically a command and control economy where you have CCP, the owner of the company, basically like like a like a communist you know organization sure. that just controls the economics <laughs> completely right right and again it's it's a great game we're, we're we're all fans we would not build these type of games if we weren't a fan of this type of game sure but we thought well we're not gonna again you know we're not gonna uh, beat ccp or any other you know big company like that on 
fidelity of the graphics and all these other things. We thought, what would be really special is is block for blockchain. This game is to actually make a free market, right? So f using blockchain, we can actually create a you know somewhat free market. Of course, we still we're still the ones creating the ships and still you know seeding the universe, but. If somebody goes and discovers a very rare recipe and becomes very good at crafting a certain type of laser, they can do that all day and sell it to the other players. Yeah. Uh, so wow. this has uh, been a very kind of it's a it's a completely different type of thing. So MLB game MLB Champions is very much like you know classic collecting game, uh, you know, with with a little bit of a fantasy twist. Uh, CSC is very much a you know space MMO where you, you know it has this crafting loop. Uh, with a free market, so the idea is, uh, you know, we've we've uh, had some big sales in that game as well. So the space station that game sold for about fifty four thousand dollars. We said we were going to make. <laughs> That's one. so cool. <laughs> yes, <we said. laughs> behind behind you on that sign, that that red ship there sold for about uh, I think twenty five thousand oh, dollars. So cool. Um, and you know, and the the key is that we said we'd only make one of these. Now they're craftable, so so we will make one, but somebody else in the games at some point will craft these things. It'll be a lot of grinding. Uh, it'll be a lot of playing, and this is this is goes to our motto of our company's play to own. Sure. So you guys know free to play, right? Absolutely. Consumers are getting a little worn out on free to play. It's a little, you know, it's a little. They like it. They like the free part, but they're starting to get a little worn down by this. Like I put in all this energy, and then you're just, you know. That's the one thing that where I play a lot of this is the free to play stuff, just to check it out. But there is a there's a spot where you cannot move forward in the game unless you're shelling out money and the one thing that amazes me is i came up in a time you know in the 80s and early 90s when when you bought the game that was it you bought the game you got everything that came along with the game but now like i, I believe Battle, battlefront 2 that just came out it was like somebody did the math and you have to spend like 2k to get everything within the game just to do just to just to actually get all the paths and all that stuff like that uh this way it, it's this is more commerce which is awesome because if somebody wants it and is willing to spend whatever they want to spend on it that's on them but um but i like the idea that i can all the hours all those things that i put in to something well, could actually become something a, a, a bit bigger or exactly or, which is awesome if you're tired of the game you can sell the assets uh which has which never existed awesome. before and you know it's a nice thing uh and if you become you know really good at one particular area of the game because there's different people will play a space MMO differently. Some want to be sure. cowboys, someone to go all just blow stuff up. Those guys are gonna have to pay for ships because you, you're getting a lot of fight. You know, if you like fighting, sure, your, your ship blows up, you're gonna have to pay for more ships. Other people like to play these uh, MMOs where they just they actually just like the slow process of exploration and crafting, and they they'll go to the fringe space. They'll sort of take the six hour flight, uh, you know, to go to the fringe space and and look for new resources. And so the idea is by creating a free market economy that these that there could be a symbiosis of these, you know, cowboys who who are you know blowing <laughs> stuff up. And, right. And and you know the other th really cool thing about it is the uh, the we have guilds in our game, right? So they kind of organically formed. Uh, we didn't actually push anybody to form guilds. But what happens when the whales enter the game <laughs> and spend $54,000, uh, they, they actually become your biggest community advocates. Sure. Uh, and again, we're all learning this as we're going because this has never existed before. But what I've learned is nobody drops you know, 20 grand in your game and then walks away. They all of a sudden become your biggest advocate, and sure. they're rallying other people, and they're trying to convince other people to come in your game. So if you go to our Discord for, for both our games – Super passionate, super cool. passionate group of, of players. How? Uh, what's the user base, uh, if you can share that, on, on like MLB Champions and a game like that right now? Yeah, well, the user base, it, it kind of depends how you look at it. Uh, yeah. So MLB Champions, if you kind of look at it like a free-to-play basis, sure. so like visits to the website, uh, people who are setting up accounts is in the, in the you know, call it tens of thousands. Cool. Uh, because this season, you actually don't need Ethereum or MetaMask to play. Great. It's a big difference from last season. So you can just go set up an account, enter your credit card information, or not, and just start, you know, looking at the game and playing it. Um, and then CSC actually has not launched yet. Right. Okay. So we have. But do you do you have beta and stuff going we, on, alphas and stuff? Yeah, you can get to that through our, our Discord. Nice. Um, so that game will launch imminently. I'd say you know we're kind of shooting for summertime launch for csc and cool uh and, M and mlb champions the actual gameplay the part where you play along with the the team that'll launch in may sometime cool and then we have a third game uh, conjure which cryptic conjure yep which we're we're actually publishing uh so we had a buddy uh, uh J jason wishnoff who 
uh, had this beautiful game, and we we looked at it, and our CTO Fazri said, "Hey, this would be a perfect blockchain game. It's a it's another fa- it's a fantasy RPG, uh, and the and the crafting is around spells, so which know, I think is cool. Yeah, so different you know different people like some people like space, some people like fantasy. Uh, so he's building the game, and we're just powering the blockchain part of it and, and helping promote it. Right. Just to be clear, you guys are um, developers mostly, but now you have Conjure, which is actually a game that was shown to you, and now you're publishing it and connecting a blockchain that's right so that so is that something you guys might be interested in the future uh, a lot of a mixing of developing and publishing i think i think it's an interesting like we saw that with the early iphone days that uh uh you know i almost thought the, the role of the publisher was going to go away with the iphone because now the developer could throw it up on the app store and like usually the publisher before the iphone was getting you on the shelves at best buy yeah right that was the that absolutely was the role. yeah and then the iphone came around and the role of the publisher really evolved to uh, all the data, like all the stuff that the game developer didn't want to deal with, uh, you know, buying advertising, tracking if it's converting, all it's kind of you know a little boring to be honest. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> and so, so there was a there was kind of like the first version of Angry Birds was actually published uh, by Chilingo. Hmm. So Angry Birds, um, Rovio, the company they own Angry Birds two, three, and onwards. But the first version, the one that kind of was the explosive right. viral hit, was actually published. So I think there is a role of a publisher possibly in this space of digital scarcity in the sense that, uh, you know, not everybody's going to want to learn how to do the, bl- the blockchain part. I think the blockchain part of the conversation even becomes like people will stop using the term blockchain with the game or crypto. Sure, It'll just sure. be digital scarcity. Um, so I think that technological part, uh, as well as sort of helping think about like why should this be a, a on the blockchain like you know there's there needs to be a um, you know a logical reason sure. why, why it's there you can't just take like a you know candy crush and put it on the blockchain it wouldn't be would make fun or pac-man right um but i guess that's a fun way to think for someone because i'm kind of working on developing a game myself but it's also like for new people that are developing games if they understand blockchain technology you could really think about hey how could i have a window for blockchain in this game so you can make the game but then okay our items can be traded, we could bring in a company to help us make this connect it to the blockchain. So what I'm getting at is you could actually make the game and then figure out how to bring the blockchain in, correct? It doesn't have to initially be kind of developed within the game. You could you could kind of, like that guy came to you, had a game, and he's like, how do I make this work with blockchain? You can kind of implement it well, later on, right? It's a yes and no. Yes and no. Uh, you know, I think that... Um it depend if he wasn't completely finished with the game, right? So he was about halfway through. So changes could be made to to accommodate to accommodate. Um, you know, I think that there's just going to be certain, and I don't think we know exactly all the different sort of categories or, or, or you know, the first generation of of these, uh, you know, the first generation of these games were you know Crypto Kitties, and then right after Crypto Kitties, there was all these hold the bag games. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> you know, which were, yes, which were fun, but they were very you know. You guys remember those, right? Yeah, you know, like who's gonna be the last one holding the uh, yeah? Who gets know, uh, the 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 crypto? Who Twitter, gets this kitty? The, the Twitter shit talker. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I, what I like that you guys are doing, um, at least from what I can tell, which is very different from other gaming companies to, uh, that that deal with blockchain that we have interviewed, is that you're going after people who are not necessarily blockchain centric. That That's are right. not necessarily into crypto, uh, which means there's an educational curve that you guys are probably hitting. And I was just wondering, what kind of a reaction are you getting from the people who have never really been involved in crypto or anything like that? Yeah. So the reason, the biggest reason why we changed MLB Champions this year to accepting credit card is we saw something like ninety plus percent of our people who wanted to play the game were being kind of just. They'd show up and be like, I got to get a Coinbase account. Turns out 75% of our players uh, were not crypto people. They were ba- they were baseball, kind of just traditional baseball collecting fans. Yeah. Uh, they like the idea that it's, you know, that it's provably scarce. And they like the idea that they could sell it. And, you know, like most things, people who collect baseball cards, you know, they're, they're doing their research. They're trying to figure out who the rookie is. Yeah. You know, it's going to be the big rookie in, you know, five years. Same thing you do with baseball cards, right? Um, so that was a big impetus for us. Uh, making it so that we just take credit cards, and okay. and also we the game was called MLB Crypto, and we renamed it to MLB Champions, um, and we're going to launch uh, with with an app this year too. Okay, uh, in a, in a couple months. So the idea there is very much, and and, and our game CSC is going to be on Steam. Uh, it's going to take in app purchases. So yeah, we're very much 
of the mind that we're using this the blockchain as a feature in the games that these have to be great games uh and that this is adding a feature like any other thing adds a feature like vr adds a feature to a game or the wiimote adds a feature to a tennis game um so we see digital scarcity as being that feature uh and now you can go back and look at a lot of games uh that have historically worked like space mmos or fantasy uh, fantasy role-playing games and saying, can I reinvent this? And you don't even have to have the most complex version of it. So if you look at like CryptoKitties, for example, if breeding games had been ex- around in the 80s. Yeah. You know, Tamagotchi, you know, these, there's, yes. there was very <laughs> simple like breeding games, uh, you know, taking care of your pet type games. If you were to just have launched that game with a database in 2017, it would have been, eh, meh, no, nobody would really cared that much. But, but because they added digital scarcity... Uh, it really made the game fun because now you could breed a cat that could be worth some money and you could discover new types of genetic strains. Yeah. So so the way we're looking at it is that this is going to permeate like mainstream gaming over some period of time. And there will be all sorts of games where you won't even know it's the, – the consumer won't even like use the term blockchain. It won't even be like right there. They won't have to interface with Ethereum or EOS or whatever the blockchain they're using. Uh, it'll just all be happening in the background. Yeah. Uh, and at the point where they want to kind of get into the whole, you know, go down the crypto rabbit hole, they can. No, I mean, at some point they're going to call it for, instead of, I'm assuming these are ERC-20 tokens that, that you're, that ER- you, the ML- MLB is on? Uh, ERC-721. 721. But you know what? Got it. We do not lead with that. Got it. No, no, no. <laughs> that is not. I, 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 which makes it, but the thing is, that's what they still are right now, which means yes. as of right now, that's what they'll call them. They'll call them, I have these tokens. But at some point, they're going to say, this is my stuff. That's right. And so the analogy I give is is EVE Online mm-hmm. was called EVE Online because when it came out, being online was its seminal feature. Nobody calls Fortnite, Fortnite Online. Yes. And and we were just at, at um, CIS uh, a few weeks ago at, or like, a, uh, yeah. And we had explained that this is not going to, this these kind of, uh, meetups are not going to really be the thing anymore because cri- blockchain is just going to be a part of the technology and it's just yeah. going to be whatever it is. E- exactly. Like internet is a part of a lot of games. It's a feature. It yeah. makes the game better. Like, a Do- you know, Doom, um, you know, I look back at, uh, at Doom Deathmatches, right? Doom was a great game, stood on its own as a single player game. You add internet to it, all of a sudden Deathmatch, it's like, bingo, wow, that's more fun than actually Doom. Yeah. And then that, you know, bred a whole generation of, of new style of game. Um, so yeah, it's, it's the other one I like to say is, is, you know, using internet as an analogy, you don't care what your website's delivered on. You don't care if it's delivered on TCP IP or some variation of UDP. You mm-hmm. just want to go to Yahoo and have Yahoo. I come just want to make sure I click and it goes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but you do, but they, they, now people have digital stuff. So for your, in your case, because you have a very unique, um, uh, set of audience where uh, a set of users where they're not really into crypto. How are they storing their stuff, and and what are, what do you see the future of storage for your for your collectibles as of right now? Yeah, so we have kind of a, a check in check out system. Okay. Uh, so when they're playing the game, uh, they can check in the stuff. Um, the reason we have to do that is, and I think most games will kind of end up in this place, is if you blow up somebody's ship in a in a game, you don't want them to quickly go and jump on their. <laughs> yeah. you know, computer and try to find you it, it, well no, no and, and uh, not trying to find you but ch- check it out using you know sophisticated uh you don't want the, the most sophisticated crypto person to be able to you know cheat the game yes basically. yes so uh but plenty of people do actually uh check out you know sell take out the stuff sell it on like open and do the you know all the all the crypto stuff so we have a good balance i mean like a lot of our i'd say in csc you know the majority of players right now are are very are very into crypto, uh, but when we launch on Steam, I mean, we all want, even the people who are really into crypto, want non-crypto people to get into this concept of digital ownership, and we really feel like it'll be the most exciting moment when somebody goes and discovers a rare crafting recipe and then crafts it and looks at it, kind of like when you open a baseball pack and you you get you get your book and you're like, how much is this worth? Whoa, I, 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 it's worth eight bucks. You don't actually sell it. No, but you, you actually, like to know what it is, yeah. <laughs> which is really fun. Yeah, so, and I actually think, because uh, I use Steam all the time, and uh, I think it's a great platform to start launch on, because there's a lot of nerds that love MMO flight games on Steam, and there's a lot of those games there. 
uh, I think you'll I think what I like is it's a form of adoption you're you're kind of like pushing the technology you're not focused on like going to I think you even mentioned to me you're focused more on going to gaming events gaming company because that's what you guys are and this is the underlining um, and I really appreciate uh, everything you've gone through and I guess I want to move the final question to what does the future hold for you guys I know that in the coming months or a year you're gonna have releases what is the like kind of the near future past that gonna be for you guys well this is a big year for us right we have you know our three titles are gonna be you know fully playable so as of as before you know as of last year uh, they were sort of in concept and you know you know design uh, now we have good community adoption on all three uh, so May will be the launch of gameplay uh, for MLB. Then sometime in the summer we'll launch the the app. So we think that you know there's a big future of this stuff with the app. Because look, I, I, you know we're all fooling ourselves if we think that consumers are going to go away from their iPhones and Androids, you know, to to go to Web yeah. three. Yeah. You know, there's a mm -hmm. big Web three narrative in crypto, but we are very much in the camp that people love their native installs. They love sure. their, they love their apps. Um, so we will continue to push that forward. Uh, we'll publish uh, Cryptic Conjure later on in the year. It's a, it's a, it, I mean, it's a beautiful game. It's built in Unreal Engine, mm -hmm. um, which, if you know gaming, it's a, it's a very, you know, high end engine. It's a, uh, so one of the best. Uh, and then, and then going forward, I think we're gonna, you know, nurture these games. So we have that. That's a plenty of long project for the next, you know, twelve months to nurture these three games and continue to build them up. And and eventually, I think we'll bring CSC uh, possibly to mobile as well. Cool. Uh, so it's kind of set up in a way that it's going to be a steam launch we're going to build the community on steam it's as you as you said there's a lot of space mmo fans on steam oh yeah uh we've taken a uh a, a slightly more casual approach so like versus a lot of like space mmos where you're like i gotta set aside 12 hours on a sunday to play right. this our game is is more easier to jump into well that was cool daniel and it's kind of cool to do some in office podcast because yeah. we were invited and we got to kind of see everyone working really hard over there and, and i want one of their ships I want one of their ships. Well, he said that potentially I can get a Steam code, and I could definitely when the when that game is close to at a good spot. And I think they already have the codes. They're, they're, yeah, they're um, close. They're going to be out for public release. Release, and they're in. I'm a total Alpha. nerd. I want to fly in space. So yeah, uh, I thought they actually had a poster behind us of some of the ships in that game. Which that was, was really, really cool. cool. Yeah, the graphics remind me of StarCraft a lot. And I like the diversity that, I mean, look, he's doing a game that has to do with the MLB, but they also have this awesome space game, and then mm -hmm. they're publishing this game with spells. Yeah. Like, and listen, sp we talked about spells on the blockchain, by the way. Yes. So that was pretty cool. Um, but Randy was cool. I, you know, I feel like we got to know him a little bit more, especially I did, because at the GameSpeed event, we actually, you know, talked, and we probably cheers a drink or something. Yeah, if you guys have any questions after any of our interviews, by the way, please feel free to reach out to us, the Coinboys at thecoinboys.com or follow us on any social media at Coinboys Podcast. Um, we definitely want to know what, because we have connections with these folks and we can actually go back and talk to them. And so I'm excited to do that. So let us know what we didn't say the first time. Let, let us know what we didn't get the first time. And we'll, uh, we'll go more in depth with it. Yeah, and uh, I just want to thank Randy and the Lucid Sight team and uh, Geek River, shout out to you because you uh, helped us connect to everybody here. Uh, and I also want to thank them for inviting us. But let's just, uh, before we let you go, let you know where you can find us. And that's at thecoinboys.com. And if you are a listener and you've been a fan, I know we said at the top, please do us a favor. Leave a review on iTunes. Give right. us some stars. Subscribe, review. Yeah, it really, really goes a long way. We don't ask for much. Uh, and we... We did send someone pizza once, so we like feeding people. Yeah, we do. <laughs> um, but thanks so much. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. Peace.